So as we venture into the text today, we're going to be talking about something that doesn't get talked about enough in church. Uh, I'll be honest with y'all. Uh, this topic is something that most modern day churches stay away from because it can get a little hard to understand and it doesn't feel good. We all like to talk about God's love and God's mercy and God's grace and, and, and everything about the good stuff about being in relationship with Jesus and uh, with God through Jesus. But in order for us to be in relationship with God, we have to understand this topic that we're going to bring up today because it's an important part or concept in Christian living. And that's the concept of sin. Today we're talking about sin. Sin is a sensitive topic. We, don't, we want to focus on the good things that we receive from God because it makes us, again, feel good. But the truth is, all those things like love and mercy and grace, they elevate and, 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 and accentuate. Uh, they're accentuated and elevated by sin. Because the presence of sin and the existence of sin make things like God's grace and God's mercy and his steadfastness even more important in our lives. The sin that is in you and the sin that is in me because of Adam and Eve, as well as the sins that we've committed, require the grace and mercy of God. But you have to understand what sin is and more importantly, how it impacts us in order to live a life that glorifies God. So let me, let me, let me let's create the foundation today, right? The foundation for today is sin is costly all right sin is costly whether it is a little white lie or all the way up to murder the sin that we commit has a price and sometimes the cost is greater than what we are able to imagine the message title for today is called paying the price the cost of sin. And it comes out of the text that we just read. Going back and looking in Joshua 7, we see a premier example of what happens to us when we choose to go against God and what he's called us to do and called us to be. To make sure that we are all on the same page, I, I want to have a definition, a working definition of what sin is, okay? So listen here. The dictionary, Webster's Dictionary, defines sin as an offense against religious or moral law. Okay, easy to understand, not too difficult. But let's look at it from a Christian perspective. What exactly is sin? Well, in simple terms, biblical and theological scholars define sin as, in simple terms, ready? A lack of conformity to the moral character or laws of God when we don't meet God's standards. That's the definition of sin. My mother, shout out to her, she's somewhere walking around in the building. She was here, she's probably handling some stuff, but she used to say this to us when we were growing up, and it was very clear. She used to say, sin will take you farther than you thought you'd ever go, keep you longer than you ever intended to stay, and cost you more than you ever expected to pay. And the more that I grew up and matured and understand, the more I realized how true this quote is. We all know that person, and maybe that person is actually us, right? So whoever it is, imagine that person in your mind. 
But we all know that person where something that went against God took that person down a deep, dark path. And the consequence and the sin that they committed had consequences. And especially if you call yourself a Christian, I need you to hold this today. If there is sin in your life, there is possible major ramifications. There's major consequences if that sin goes unaddressed, right? So let's dive into that. What are some consequences for the sin that exists in our lives? Well, the first thing that I want you to understand is sin separates us and keeps us from connecting with God. Very straightforward. Sin is anything that keeps us from being with God or keeps us from being who God has called us to be. It is a separator between us and God. So uh, Ava, my eldest daughter, she is really growing up. And over the last, it's been crazy. She's grown up so much over the last, like, I don't know, three or four months as she gets closer to four. You're seeing her mature, and you're like, whoa, what is going on here? Everybody sees it. They're like, she's, like, turning into a different kid. She's getting the understanding now of the world and how the world functions, and she's really coming into her own. Well, one of the things that she's learning more and more about what it, li- what it means to live at home with mama and dada, not like live at home like I get to do whatever I want, how I want, but what it means to be in communion and community with mama and dada. I'm saying this to you parents today and for you future parents, your kids are in community with you. Your kids are in community with you. There are exchanges that happen between you and your children that are important, not just for your children, but for you as well. That's for another message at another time, but I want you to hold on to that right now. So as we look at my daughter, she has become acutely aware of the things that can potentially cause separation between her and us. Now, by separation, I mean if she gets in trouble. And, and she was very, she's very much like me, right? I've learned with her, like, the punishment that she doesn't like the most, right, is being separated, being forced to either be in a corner or to go upstairs and be in her room by herself, right? Like, she'll take all the other punishments, but those punishments do something to her. Those consequences do something to her. And, like, you can hear her. It's eating her up inside. Sometimes you can hear her because, like, she's making a lot of noise. She's still three and a half years old. She's learning that it's quiet time if you're in the corner, right? Like, if you're in trouble, you're in the corner, you need to be quiet, then we come and get you. But the reason why she acts that way is because she's waiting to be back in community with her mother, her father, and her little sister. She can't wait to be back together with us again. Look at Adam and Eve when they were in the garden, right? You see that the, what happens here. When they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, immediately, the first thing that happens is they recognize, oh, shoot, we've done something wrong. So much so that when they've done something wrong, what does the Bible say that they do? The Bible says that they go and hide. They go and hide. God was coming at the same time. He was going to be himself to be in community with them. But because of the sin that they committed, they felt the need to go and hide. Let's go to Jonah, another example. 
Jonah's given a directive by God, and Jonah, God says to Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh and go talk to these people and give them my commandments so they can be saved. And Jonah thinks that he knows better than God. He's like, bump that, God. I'm not going. Like, those people don't deserve it. So he runs away to Tarshish. He runs away. He hides from God. He flees from God. And now the people of Israel are straight suffering because of a sin that was committed by one of their own. Vanessa read the text, Achan sinned. He took from Jericho what God said to destroy. He took precious things and he, what does the Bible say he did? He hid them. He hid them. Look at all this hiding that's happening. And because of the act, the people of Israel fell out of grace. What is grace? Communion with God. They fell out of communion with God at that point. Now, when we read that example, let me first establish, we live under the new covenant, co covenant, right? So when we read Achan's text and what happened with Achan, we have to understand that that time was a very works-based time, right? If you, in order to gain salvation or to gain grace, it was based off of what you did. That's what we read in the Old Testament. When Jesus came and took the punishment for us, yes, we still sin and we mess up, but the consequences are different, right? We don't hold the heavy consequences of eternal separation from God or death, spiritual death. Rather, Christ holds that burden for us. But sin does something to us still. Sin sometimes pushes us to hide or flee from God. And y'all know exactly, exactly what I'm talking about when I say that. We have all had the experience, and maybe some of us are even having the experience, no judgment, of something that we are dealing that is difficult to deal with. Or just straight up, we know that God hasn't called us to that. We know that it is sinful. We know that in doing so, we are committing an act that goes against the character and law of who God is. And we're committing sin, and after we've committed the sin, what happens when we feel like it's time for us to go back to God? We feel ashamed. We feel guilty. We feel unworthy. How many of us don't pray anymore because we know that there's parts of our lives that are messed up and we feel unworthy enough to pray? We know there are parts of our lives that we know because of either just what God has instilled in us or from learning in relationship with people who believe in God or cultural things that get pressed into us that are, uh, that are derived from Christian living, right? We know what we are doing is wrong. So when it comes time for us to go to step before God, we feel ashamed and we can't do it. We hide from God. But this is what happens when we hide from God. When we hide from God, it pushes us deeper and deeper into sin. How many times have we hid from God, we don't pray to God, and we act like if we don't pray to God, some way, somehow, the situation is going to fix itself. But what happens is the very thing that is the sin that we need to go to God for becomes the crutch that we lean on because of our shame, because of our guilt, because of our embarrassment. Whatever we are struggling with becomes the very thing that we hold on to tighter because of the fear of what's going to come from God if we go to him. So we keep going. Sin keeps you away from God. Its purpose from the beginning of time, Adam and Eve, the foundation of sin, was to make you stray 
from God, to keep you from being close to him and make you the sole decider on how you live your life. You become the ultimate authority on how you live your life and not God's character and what he has called us to be. Do y'all get what I'm saying so far? Do you understand where I'm going? Right? I want to make sure that we are all on the same page as we go a little bit deeper here, right? So here's the thing. If we live a life that is outside of God's character and outside of what God has called us to be, and we know it goes against biblical tenets and, and what God has defined as holy and acceptable, here's the next thing that happens. Sin will cause you to miss out on blessings that God has for you. Ooh. I'm going to say that one more time, and I'm going to make it collective. Sin will cause us to miss out on blessings that God has for us. Yo, let's go back and read that text one more time. We need to remember Joshua, Israel, and the people of Israel, rather, just tore down the walls of Jericho in chapter 6. Let me, let, me, let me help you understand what that is. Like, that's literally that underdog that takes down the number one seeded team in sports, right? It's as if the New York Knicks go and take down the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA Finals this upcoming year. And I'm, that's a shot at the Knicks. We all know the Knicks aren't going to win this year. For those of you that think they are, they're not. Just stop. Let's calm down the hype. I'm, I'm, I know I'm getting a lot of hate right now from some folks. But they went through in Israel. Israel went through and beat Jericho. So imagine the high that they're on. They're like, yo, God pulled us through. We can't do anything. There's nothing we can't do. Y'all, they were able to get to the promised land. It was theirs. And now, as they walk into Jericho, and they go and get ready to go take over another place, remember, they're reminded, God says to them, he said to them in Joshua chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. He says, the whole city is yours, but it must be set apart to the Lord to be destroyed. But Rahab and all those who are in her house must be spared. That's because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the things that have been set apart to the Lord. If any of you take any of them, you will be destroyed. And you are going to bring trouble to the camp of Israel. You will cause it to be destroyed. When they got Jericho, it was under the tenet of, I need for you to follow exactly what I've told you to do. Remember, this was part of our next level conversation. When, we, when they took over Jericho, we said, you need to do exactly what God tells you to do. Nothing more, nothing less. And yet, as we already read, Achan goes and takes from Jericho, and he holds on to it. What does the Bible say? Achan actually says he saw it with his eyes, and he wanted it. Achan was driven by his flesh to make a decision opposite of what God's will for him and the people of Israel was. Achan saw with his eyes, he rationalized with his mind, and then he desired with his heart. And he took what God told him not to take. And then 
listen, y'all, we're going to read through this really quickly. I'm going to do my best to walk through it. Pay attention here. Remember, Achan takes it, and then they're getting ready to go to war again. Let's read Joshua chapter 7, verse 2 through 11. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. Ai is near, Ai is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel. Joshua told the men, go up and check the area of Ai around Ai. So the men went up and checked it. Then they returned to Joshua. They said, the whole army doesn't have to go up and attack Ai. Send only two or 3,000 men. They can take the city. Don't make the whole army go up there. Only a few people live in Ai. So only about 3,000 troops went up. But the men of Ai drove them away. They chased the Israelites from the city gates all the way to uh, uh, Shebarim. They killed about 36 of the men on the way down. So the Israelites were terrified. Verse 6. Joshua and the elders of Israel became sad. Joshua tore his clothes. He fell in front of the ark of the Lord with his face to the ground. He remained there until evening. The elders and the, did the same thing. They also sprinkled dust on their heads. Verse 7. Joshua said, Lord and King, why did you ever bring these people across the Jordan River? Did you want for us to hand us over to the Amorites? Did you want to destroy us? I wish we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Lord, our enemies have driven us away. What can I say? The Canaanites will hear about it. They will, they, so will everyone else in the country. They will surround us. They will erase any mention of our name from the face of the earth. Then what will you do when people, or when, when people don't honor your great name anymore? The Lord said, verse 10 to Joshua, get up. What are you doing down there on your face? Israel has sinned. I made a covenant with them. I commanded them to keep it, but they broken it. They have taken some of the things that I had set apart to me in a special way to be destroyed. They have stolen. They have lied. They have taken the things they stole and have put them on their own things. Listen, it should have been easy for the people of Israel to take over I after they had beaten Jericho. It should have been something that was simple. And instead, it cost them dearly. And God says point blank, y'all messed up. You sinned against me. I can't honor the next step if you were unfaithful in the first step. I can't honor where you, where you want to go with me if where I, what I told you to do in the beginning, you wouldn't even do in the first place. You didn't even do it the first time. The blessings and benefits that you received from me the first time, you can't get them from me this time because you did not honor me. You did not do what I told you you were supposed to do. They couldn't go forward and take the next part because of the sin that lived in their life. Y'all, let me say this to you clearly. Straight English. Sin will cause you to miss out on blessings that God has for you. Sin is going to cause you to miss out on blessings that God has for you. Straight up, point blank, period, end of the sentence. The advantages, the benefits, the extra steps that we get because we are in communion with God, we can miss out on them because of the sin that we hold on to. Let me tell you why that is. Sin is distracting. 
If there is some, if there is sin that is dominating your life, weighing you down, human nature will cause you to fixate on that sin. Let's use another example. And walk with me here. We've been in a pandemic for a long time. Most of us are familiar with virtual meetings or Zoom meetings, right? You ever have that uh, Zoom call that you've been on? Actually, here's a great example. You just heard the noise from the sirens that were going off. So for those of you that don't know, if you didn't hear it, there's sirens that go off, I believe, from the fire department. And it's not like typical sirens. It literally sounds like the trumpets of God are going off in Spring Valley, right? Now, imagine you're on a Zoom call and you hear something like that. It's really, really noisy. Or maybe your house is really, really loud. Your kids are screaming. The neighbors are making noise. My favorite is now the neighbors are, are what, are they, what is it called? Uh, uh, leaf blowing. Or maybe you're in a public area like a Starbucks or like a Panera Bread. What happens when you're on those calls? It's really difficult if you don't have headphones to be able to tune in to what the objective and purpose of the meeting is because of the distractions that are around you. So in order to have the attention of what is in front of you, you have to tune out the noise and remove it from your experience. The way that you do that is the best thing that you need is headphones. If you put headphones on, you might hear it. You might hear the other stuff going on, but it's much easier to stay focused and to be attuned to the purpose and objective of why you're on that call. Sin is very similar. Sin causes a ton of noise and distraction in our lives where we are unable to hear the voice of God. We are unable to hear God, what God wants us to be, what God wants us to do because of all the noise that sin creates in the background or even not even in the background, right in the forefront. Whether it is not because we don't want to be found out or whether because we are just enjoying what we are doing too much or maybe we've even become dependent on that sin, we can't be in communion, true communion with God and make the choice to actively engage in sinful behavior. Bible says we can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and the flesh, right? And because we can't have two masters, if you aren't tuned in on God and you are allowing for sin to fester in your life, you can't hear his voice. And if you can't hear his voice, there's no way that you will be able to be be pointed in the direction where he has blessing in store for you. Let, let me make sure that you get this. If you can't hear God's voice, if God is pointing you towards a direction of favor, blessing, and increase, there's no way that you get there. There's no way that you achieve your purpose if you can't hear God's voice and respond to the direction that he's pointing you in. And sin will be that distraction. If you're with me still, say, I'm with you. Hold on. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Okay, okay. Lastly, and this is a big one, huge. Sin in your life can impact others, especially those you are in community with. 
Ooh, we don't think about this enough. Remember, Achan and the rest of the people of Israel are given a distinct direction. It's very clear. God says, fam, don't take anything from Israel. I mean, from Jericho. Don't take anything from Jericho. It's not yours to take. I'm not giving you instructions to take it. I'm going to do what I need to do with it. You destroy everything. Achan was the only one who disobeyed and sinned. The Bible literally says only one person disobeyed God. But what happens when we read the scripture? Listen to what God says in verse 1 of chapter 7. Ready? Listen to what God says. Only Achan. But here's God's response. But the Israelites were unfaithful to God. They didn't destroy what had been set apart. So they did not do what they had been told to do. Achan had taken some of the things. So the Lord became angry with Israel. Achan was the son of Carmi. Carmi was the son of Zimri. And Zimri was the son of Zerah. Achan and all his relatives were from the tribe of Judah. So, okay. The Lord becomes angry with all of Israel because of one person's sin. God created us to be communal people, right? We are, we are people that need to be in community. I had a conversation with my sister yesterday, and she was just talking about how she loves to be around people, how she loves to fellowship, how she loves to be in the company of those she loves, and how much she honors those folks, right? Like, it's, it's, some of the best times of our lives are in community with people. Like, going to a concert, or going on vacation or an adventure, or going to a dynamic worship conference or service or hearing a great message, hearing it and being in those experiences with other people elevates and accentuate those experiences. Something happens to us when we are connected. That's why the Bible calls for us to be connected. That's why I keep telling y'all to come back to church. It's important, right? Just to keep it a stack. In the same way, our worst moments have the ability to impact other people as well. When a spouse cheats on a partner, or when a partner cheats on their other partner, they first sin against their own body and their relationship with God, if they're a believer, yes. The first thing that you do, you got to recognize, you, you sin against God, and you sin against your body. But what else happens as a result of the cheating? They impact the relationship with their spouse. If there's children... They impact their relationship with their kids. What happens if they are held in a particular esteem in their community? They impact their relationship with those they are in community with. It has a ripple effect. Especially if that infidelity turns into separation or divorce. What we gather is sin is selfish in its temporary reward, but very generous in its long-term consequences. You understand what that means? Sin may feel good to you for a quick second, but it's going to be painful for everybody for a really long time. It may be exactly what you think you need in the moment, for a moment, but it may be the exact thing that breaks you 
embrace others that you love and care about for a very long, long time. What we see with Achan again, Achan's sin pulls in the entire people of Israel as well as his family and his property. I'm going to break this down simply, but in Joshua 7, what we learn is literally the Israelites suffered defeat at the hands of the Amorites and, excuse me, of, of I, and that his family and property were stoned and burned. Y'all, even Adam and Eve's sin has long-term consequences for mankind. Eve ate of the fruit because she was told it was good. It was going to feel good in the moment. Boom. As a result, now we all have suffered. Adam and Eve both. Now we all suffer the consequence of that. When sin entered the world, it caused a whole bunch of issues for us as human beings. Sin in your life may be tempting. It may even be rewarding. I'm not even going to front. Sin feels good. It does. I'm not going to lie to you. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. If I've sinned against myself and I've sinned against God, part of the reason why you've done it is because there's a satisfaction in your flesh that happens. Let's just be honest about it. But y'all, the consequences are major. Sin has a ripple effect. The consequences of sin is literally like throwing a stone in a lake. It starts off really small, right? You throw the stone. Bloop. See, you hit the water. And the ripples begin really, really tight, right? It doesn't impact too much of the space. But what happens over time with, that, with those ripples? Those ripples expand. And if we're not careful, I mean, if we're watching, rather, the ripples of one drop of a stone in a body of water can reach all the way out to the boundaries of that body of water just from that one stone. The consequences of sin in our lives could be a drop in a body that can expand And touch so many parts of our life that we didn't expect. So let me ask you a question. And I'm asking you this question in the affirmative, right? I'm not asking whether you have sin. We all have sin. Have you recognized the impact of sin on those that you love? On your partner or your spouse? On your siblings, on your parents, on your kids? on your friendships, on your church, on your community, have you recognized how your sin impacts those you love? Y'all, let me be clear as we close today. It is impossible for us to achieve what God has in store if we don't get sin out of our lives. And I'm speaking to you as a person that is imperfect, right? I am still a human being. I may be up here preaching the word of God and being a leader, and yet I still have moments where I have to fight with sin in my life. That's part of being human. 
Part of the, the transformation of being made like Christ is understanding that I am not Christ to begin with. And the journey to become like Jesus means that I'm going to make mistakes on the way. But we have to be willing to look at the sin in our life if we want to heal from the sin in our life. If we want to be forgiven in the, from the sin in our life. If we want to be restored from the hurt and the impacts of sin in our life. If we want to be restored back into communion with God. Full communion. I do believe that you can be saved and know Jesus and not be in full communion with him. Because of the noise of sin that blocks out hearing his voice. So let me say this to you. If there is something that you are holding back today that is keeping you from being in relationship with Jesus, being close to God, and being who God has called you to be, I want you to think about that right now. Notice, I didn't, and I did this on purpose this morning. I didn't call out specific sins. I could have named what the Bible calls sin off and rallied it off. But the truth of the matter is, this kind of conversation can go on for weeks. You know what's in your life. You know what's in your heart. You know what you are grappling with and struggling with that's sinful before the eyes of the Lord. So I'm calling you this morning to go before God and bring it to him. And we're going to pray a prayer of repentance right here, right now, together. I'm not asking if you've sinned. I'm saying recognize your sin and bring it before the Lord today. Let's do this right here, right now. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us to uh, understand what the impacts of sin are, Father God. And the message today is kind of heavy and it feels really tough and it's a hard pill to swallow. But Father God, remind us that there is nothing that can separate us from your love. Lord, your word says that there is no height, there is no depth, depth, there is no principality, there is nothing on earth, there is nothing down below, there is nothing in the heavens that can separate us from the love that you have. And Father God, your word also says that if we repent our sins and bring them before you, you are faithful and just to forgive us. Father, Father, we, we ask for your forgiveness this morning. We ask for your forgiveness here and now. Lord, the areas of our life where we know we've sinned against you, Father, we bring them before you, and Lord, we say we are sorry. We say that, Lord, we know that we messed up. We know that we've messed up. And we bring it before you, and we say, forgive us. We ask that your blood wash us clean and make us whole, Father. Forgive us and cleanse us of our unrighteousness. And Father, give us the ability to dedicate ourselves to you. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect, Father, but it means that we are willing to face what we have done and walk in tandem with you. We don't have to worry like Achan, Father God, who suffered the, most, the, 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 the ultimate consequence for his sin because we know that Jesus suffered the consequence for us before we knew that we would sin. And that allows us to walk with you as we become more and more like you. Father, we honor you, we thank you, and 
we ask that you put us on the right path today and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives. We're done paying the price. The cost is too great. Father, we'd rather just follow you. Forgive us of our trespasses and lead us, Father God, towards a life of holiness and righteousness that's dedicated to you. In Jesus' name.